and chapter number 2, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and chapter 2. And as you open your Bible before, uh, maybe even you get there, if you want to stand with me, Deuteronomy chapter 1 and chapter 2. And before I read the scriptures, I was reading a story about a, an atheist that sat on next to a cowboy on an airplane and Atheist. Now, look, if you're an atheist, we love you. Don't get all riled up and upset with us. Uh, I mean it. I have no problem with atheists coming to church. I wish they'd come more often. They might find something when they're there. Uh, but this atheist sat down next to this cowboy. He's kind of a dusty, old, rough-looking guy, and, and uh, he's reading his Bible. So obviously he's, you know, a professing Christian, and so the atheist looks at this, you know, kind of a stereotype, you know, dusty-looking Maybe you got kind of like a redneck. By, by, by the way, I see what you did there, Brother Craig, with the redneck alien thing. I like that. There I was, and all of a sudden this light came out of nowhere, and boom, man, it was a UFO. <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, this atheist sees the cowboy reading his Bible, and he goes, uh, Hey, how you doing? My name's Mike. You know, well, nice to meet you. You know, that kind of exchange pleasantries. He goes, uh, I see you're reading your Bible, so you're a Christian. He goes, Yeah. He goes, Well, I'm, a, I'm an atheist. He goes, Okay. And he keeps reading his Bible. He goes, you know, I, I hear it kind of passes the time when you can just make a conversation on an airplane. So, you know, you want to talk? He's like, sure, man. He shuts his Bible. He goes, what, what's on your mind? He goes, well, why don't we just talk about, you know, God. Talk about heaven. Talk about eternity. Talk about hell. Talk about, you know, all that stuff. The stuff that you guys believe in. I, I can't see it, but I know you guys believe in that. And the cowboy goes, all right, man, no problem. He says, but, but before we do that, let me ask you a question. A cow and a horse, and a goat, all eat the same thing. They eat hay, right? Yeah, okay. And a cow, when it poops, it poops a big old round, nasty patty, right? Steamy old patty goes, yeah. And a horse, when it does it, it comes out in like little big old clumps, right? And you know, yeah, Bella, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) She cleans out her horse stalls, comes out in big old clumps. Some of you are like, I don't know. You need to go out into nature every once in a while. And, and then a goat eats the same thing. It comes out in these little tiny little pellets. The pellets looks like a rabbit did it, you know. And, and the guy goes, "Uh huh." He goes, "Why?" And the atheist goes, "I don't know." He goes, "You you you can't explain poop, but you want to talk about God and heaven and eternal matters?" He goes, "Sir, I, I I'm sorry, but I don't think you're qualified to handle this conversation." You, you know what that that reminds you of, guys? That people try to explain God, and they don't they're not they don't look at the miracle of just life around them. The complexity of life around us. You look at the design of your body. You look at how God, this has nothing to do with the message, but the design of your body and how God made you. And it is a miracle. Not to be explained. It is, a, you know what evolution is? Sorry, guys. Some of you like, some may not like this. It's a fairy tale for grownups. Yep. You go, well, I'm a Christian. I believe in evolution. Okay. Then you don't believe the Bible. Because yep. in the beginning, God created. Well, he used evolution. That's not what it says. Uh, and I, the more, I'm sorry, the more I think about, you know, birth and all that kind of stuff, and every week we're learning about what the baby's doing, and, you know, had this hair all over her, and now she's shedding the hair and getting it on her head, you know, and it's kind of like life in reverse. As you get older, you lose it from your head, and you get it everywhere else, you know, uh, and, and week, week 30 in the womb, all that stuff, that is a miracle. Thank God for his design, man. Deuteronomy chapter number one, Deuteronomy chapter one, Starting here in verse number one, these be the words which Moses spake in all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazeroth and Dizahab, 
There are 11 days journey. We're going to come back to this verse. It's kind of fascinating. There are 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandment unto them. Now, when it says the 40th year, that's from the time that they left Egypt. So 40 years later, Moses is having this conversation. Deuteronomy means the second retelling. It's like do in French or dos in Spanish. It's giving the account again. And so here in that 40th year of journeying, Moses has some things to say to them. And and I want you to just skip down. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number six. The Lord our God speak unto us in Horeb. That's the mount they were just leaving, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. You ever feel like you're stuck? Ever feel like you're going in circles? You're like, man, I feel like I've been here before. Look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, look at verse 1. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. That's in the land of Edom. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed. You know what a compass is? When you're compassing something, that means you're going round. Ye have compassed this mountain Long enough, turn you northward. I want to talk about going in circles and how you can avoid that. Why do people go in circles in their life? What does the Bible say about that? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Eric, if you would, open us up, sir. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me, let me, let me say this. We just came uh, out of several days of, being, of receiving the Word of God. And I know not everybody that's here this morning was here all week long, but we got fed the Word of God. And did it not stir you a little bit, those that were here? All right, did it not make you want to do some things and change some things? And, and, and here's kind of the cycle that I see sometimes in the life of believers. I get excited about something. I get stirred about something. And then real life happens. Things I'm not expecting happen. Things that I'm disappointed uh, that I'm disappointed in. Those events take place. And then I'm kind of back to square one. Then I get excited again. And then I'm back to square one. Then I get excited again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever feel that way? Just kind of like you're going in circles in life. Now look. Let me, let me be very clear with you. If I had a magic pill in a message to tell you, you will never struggle again, I would give it to you, but I don't got that. This is the closest thing I've got to it, though, and I pray it's a help to you some way. Uh, uh, they say this. I didn't know this, but they say that deja vu is actually something that is typically found in people that are overly stressed or about to have a stroke. Man, that's kind of scary. I mean, I mean I've, I've walked in a room and go, I feel like I've been here before, you know? Usually I'm in trouble with my wife when that happens. I'm just kidding. I mean, you know, you walked into a place and you're kind of like, okay, what, what? I feel like I've been here before. And I don't know that I can explain. I don't know that anybody can really explain that. But in the moment that it takes place, is it not kind of like an eerie feeling when it happens? It's kind of like cool and eerie at the same time. It's like I've been here, but I haven't been here. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live my entire Christian life going in circles. I've mentioned this before. 
And, and at, at the risk of, of, of mentioning it one more time, here we go. The first argument that we ever had as a married couple was on our, uh, between the wedding and the honeymoon. And it was this before, you know, pull up, you know, Siri or whoever else on that thing and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm lost. How do I get to here? It was before all that. I don't think we even had MapQuest at that time. It was pull out a map or call someone or the, the thing that every man dreaded about 15, 20 years ago, can you just pull over and ask? And it was almost like by doing that, you'd have to turn in your man card because of the embarrassment of having to pull over and ask because intuitively, all of us guys just automatically know where we're going, don't we? Right? And, and, so, and so whenever she says, why don't you? I'd be like, no, I got this. And I'll tell you when I realized I was lost. It was when I passed something that I had passed earlier. And in my mind, I'm like, I hope she didn't notice that. And she noticed that. Absolutely. She's like, didn't we pass? I'm like, Lord, can you not blind her eyes? For like five minutes, you open the eyes of the blind. Can you not close the eyes of those that can see? Help me out a little bit for just five minutes. Because I knew once she saw we've been here, I was in trouble. And that's when I knew I was lost. When I found myself going in circles, and look, you might be a born-again child of God. You may not be lost in regards to eternity, but it doesn't mean, listen to me very carefully, getting saved means that you no longer have to worry about going to hell. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. But it does not mean that you're saved from going in circles. Because a lot of people get saved, and their soul is saved forever, but their life kind of looks like this. And I can tell you what, listen, Ferris wheel rides and roller coaster rides, they're a lot of fun. But you know what I know about them? You get off at the same place you got on. And you didn't go, you didn't accomplish anything outside of, ah, for that, you know, that five-minute ride or whatever it is. Uh, and, and I got to be honest with you, man, I decided when I was about 15, 16, the spinning rides are just not for me. Anything that spins... Anything that defies the laws of gravity that God gave us to keep us from doing stupid things, I don't want to get on. Whenever the young people are like, come on, pastor, it'd be cool if you want. I'm like, then I won't be cool. That's okay. I'd rather be uncool and be alive, all right? That's just how I am. But, but listen, in reality, you know this from your own life's experience. Going in circles is the most frustrating thing you can experience because you're wanting to get, you know where you're supposed to go, but you keep finding yourself back at the same spot. Now, I know this much. This story is an interesting one. Look back, if you would, at chapter 1. Because if you're not careful, God gives you something in parentheses that is so telling and so deep in chapter 1 and verse 2. Notice what he puts there in parentheses. Here's a parenthetical thought from God. This is how awesome our God is. When he has a parenthetical thought, it's like the deepest thought in the entire passage. The, The thought in parentheses was, oh, by the way, the trip from here to here is 11 days. And you guys are in what year? Oh, it's our 40th year. <laughs> Think about that. You know what the problem was? They kept going in circles. God knew where he wanted to take them, and they kept going round. She'll be coming round a mountain when she comes. Right? They just kept round and round. And the Lord's like, well, when you're ready, I'm, I'm, I'm leading over here. When you're ready, I, I'm trying to take you over to this place. When you're ready, I want to give you victory over this and just keep going round. Uh, le- listen, it didn't take 11 months. It didn't take 11 weeks. It didn't take 11 years. 
It took 40 years to get to the point where they're at right now. You know what that is? That is 14,400 days on a Jewish calendar, 345,600 hours in the wilderness. Can you imagine? Listen, one hour in the wilderness, I'm done. I'm done. You know what? You can call me, you know, you're just a wimpy, wussy man. You don't like me. Hey, man, I'll tell you what. I like being able to flip a switch and lights come on. I do. I like flipping a switch and there's heat. People, you know what's funny about camping? You, the people that, for the most part, enjoy camping are people that have earned at least enough in life to take the time off to live like a homeless person. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you, but it's the truth if you think about it. Now, now listen, the Lord wants to take you somewhere in your life, in the Christian life, and if you're not careful, what you'll end up doing is missing out on where God wants you to go and the timing of it, because you keep going round and round. The Lord's going, hey, you've been here long enough. You know where they were? They were in the place called the Mount of God. You say, why? That's where God showed up. What a great reminder that there are some places in life that are amazing and awesome and revival is awesome and I wish we could do that every week. And God's like, that's not how it works. I brought you on the mountain to give you something you needed. Now you've got to go where I want you to go. And if you stay here going round and round, I'm not, don't blame me 40 years down the road that you're in the place that you're in because that is not where I want you. Look, if you would, at verse number eight. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 8, look what the Lord says. Go in and possess the land. Look at verse 21. Uh, Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. But look at verse 26 and verse 27. You know what they did? They rebelled and they murmured. God's trying to get you somewhere. And, and the whole time you're like, well, I don't know about that. I don't think I can do it. I'm not sure if God is with us. And the Lord's like, just Go. And because of that unbelief, because of that distrust of God, because you're not willing to commit those things into God's hands, those relationships, those problems, those issues, those sins, you just keep going round and round and round and round. The Lord's like, man, I want to get you off this mountain. I want to get you where I want you to be. I want to get you to the promised land. Now, look, we don't read all the verses, but I want you to go with me and take a little bit of a trip mentally in the book of Numbers. You know what happens in Numbers? In Numbers 12, you know what happens? They complain about Moses' wife. In Numbers 13, God says, I want you to go in the land. And uh, remember the old song, 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. Anybody? Anybody? Thank God. You're kind of hanging me out to dry here, guys. All the visitors are like, he's lost his mind. I don't know what he's singing, but I've never heard that before. And they go in the, the land of Canaan to spy out that land. And you know what happens? They come back, and they're like, man, I tell you what, they're bringing grapes the size of footballs. They got the clusters there like, man, look at this food. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. You go, how does a land flow with, I don't know, but I want to go. <laughs> if there was a place that was described that way, I'd like to go to that place. All right? And they're saying all this great stuff, but we got this problem. The people there, they're giants there. We can't overcome. There's no way that God's not going to do this, and I can't believe this is going to happen. And they murmured and they complained. In chapter 14, they lifted up their voice and they cried to God all night long. You know what they said? They said, let's kill these guys that want us to go and fight. Let's kill Moses. Let's kill Aaron. Let's kill Joshua. Let's kill Caleb. Let's get rid of those guys. Let's make us a new captain. Let's go back into Egypt. Think about that. And and you know what? Uh, The very people that are trying to lead me in the right direction, let's stone them. Chapter 16 takes place and two guys, a couple guys, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, They say to Moses, we think that you think that you're better than everybody else. Hasn't God spoken to everybody? 
You're not the only ones that are saved here. Aren't we all priests before God? And they just, you know, give them the right eye. And you know what God does? God wipes out a whole bunch of them. And th- this is like, it, it feels like every, and you know what happens every single time? Every single time Moses is falling on his face going, God, don't kill him. God, don't kill him. God, they're your people. And it's like, you know what they're doing? In chapter 17, Aaron's rod buds. In chapter 20, they get all together and there's no water. It's like, it's like if every time we had a problem as a church, you're like, let's just kill pastor. I think that would solve everything. Some of you are like, yeah. That's literally what's going on. Every time there's a problem, they take it out on Moses and their solution. It's, it's, it's kind of comical now. If I was Moses, it would not be funny in the moment. But it's kind of comical now, reading through the Bible, and every time there's a problem, they're like, you know what, this stinks. Let's go back to Egypt, and let's, P.S., let's kill Moses. You say, what is that? That's people acting irrationally because they're living their life like this. In Numbers chapter 21, they complain about God's provision in that manna. You know what they say? Our soul loathed this life. You ever have a kid sit down at the table? I don't want to eat. <laughs> There's a reason why it doesn't happen at my house. <laughs> now you can, I'm not saying, well, you, you think you're, no, I'm not a super dad or anything, but we've laid down some rules. And we've explained to the little ones, hey, someone made this for you. Someone worked for this. Someone bought this. Someone served it on a plate. I don't care if you just want to eat McDonald's all the time. You're going to eat some real food, and you're going to say thank you when it's done. Right. You know what they said? Our soul loathed this light bread. We just eat the same thing. Every day it's manna. Manna pudding, manna bread, <laughs> manna cereal, manna oatmeal, manna this, manna that. Man, I'm just tired of manna. That's what they're saying. And the Lord's like, hey, this is my provision for you. You try feeding a million people in the desert. And I'm bringing this food literally from heaven down for you. And you know what it was at first? It was exciting. Oh, manna from the sky. Look at it fall down. How great our God is. Look at what he did. He provided supernaturally from the heavens. God dropped food. Listen, I don't know about you guys. I would love to wake up and have food show up in my house. Like just drop down from heaven, not have to go to King Supers, not have to work for it. I'd like that. And now, because it's happened for so many days... They're going, ah, we don't want this anymore. Isn't that like us? Man, it's so exciting at first, and then the reality of life sets in. And the discipline of doing the same thing over and over in regards to following God sets in. And instead of taking that discipline and forming the right pattern, they form the wrong one, and they complain, and they find themselves going in a circle of complaining, rejecting God's plan for them, taking it out on the leadership, and by the time it's said and done, something bad happens. They go, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. And then the cycle happens all over again. Now look, as much as I like to point the finger at Israel, do you not feel like Sometimes that describes our life as well. God has saved you. He's given you a purpose in life. He has blessed you. He's given you the word of God. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you a church. He's given you something to put you in the right direction and to get you where you're supposed to go. And if you're not careful, what you will do is you will look at the circumstances and you'll make a God out of those circumstances instead of saying, God is bigger than that. I'm going to respond the right way. 
Do you know, do you know the word responsibility? It's kind of like respondability. You know what that means? You don't choose everything that happens. They did not choose themselves saying, you know what? We want to be in the desert. This sounds like a great vacation for our families. Sign me up for a timeshare. Let's do it. That, that's not how it worked. You know what they said? Okay, we're slaves in Egypt. God showed up with his man. Let's follow him. And then they get there. And you know what? It's, if we were there, we would be the same way. I didn't sign up for this. I thought the Christian life would be different. I didn't want to be in the wilderness. I want to be on top of the mountain all the time. It doesn't always work that way. You ever been on an airplane where they're like, well, we've got some weather down there, so we're just going to go in a holding pattern. <sighs> you know, or, you know, there's a, a plane that's mechanically, you know, not sound. They're trying to get it off the, you know, move it out of the, 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 the place where we need to jet into, and, and we just can't land yet. You just go around and around and after a long day of travel, there's nothing worse than going round and round and round. You're like, please, for the love of You want to land in the ocean? Land it, but lo- just land it. I want to get off this thing, you know? Especially when you sit between two people that are, you know, just, here's what I do. Every time I sit down, I notice. I just watch people. You know what they do? <laughs> They're staking their territory, man. They're claiming their place. And then you know what that means? For the rest of the three or four-hour ride, I'm like this. And I realize I'm not a big guy, but I can tell you this much. About four hours of this makes your arms tired. And you either, it's either that or you kind of have to like share with the guy, you know, and you don't want him to get the wrong impression. <laughs> After all that time of travel, you're like, land the stinking plane. I don't want to be on this, this round and round thing. I want to get where I'm going. Can you not find some, some, some relative uh, truth there in, in regards to, relevant truth in regards to your life as a Christian? The pattern of sin, the pattern of, uh, uh, of frustration, the pattern of fear, and all these things that come in your life, and they keep you from getting where you want to go. And 10 years for some Christians will go by, and they're just about where they started. I'm saved, thank God for that, but that's about it. That's not where God wants you to go as a Christian. He wants more for you than that. I just want to give you a couple of reasons why people find themselves going in circles. Number one is because of familiarity. You see what do you mean by that? Well, Egypt's what they knew. And when Egypt is all that you know, it's easy to go, I miss it. I've watched people in abusive relationships go right back because it's what they know. The the illustration from Proverbs 23 about the man that looks at the wine when it's turning its color and drinks that and becomes consumed with that and he becomes a habitual drinker and that that thing becomes what controls him and guides him. He becomes in the modern vernacular addicted and that man will say to himself at the end of all the trouble, at the end of all the sorrow, I will seek it yet again. There are relationships like that, habits like that, places in life like that where you go, it's bad for me, it's destroying me, it's no good for me, I shouldn't be there, I shouldn't think that way, I shouldn't look at that. And you find yourself going back over and, oh why? Because it's what you know. You know what Israel knew? They knew Egypt. And so when there was trouble and there was obstacles and there were frustrating events and there were things in their lives that they didn't like, they went back to what was familiar. You know what they say in in, in any kind of training? You will default to the highest level of your training. So you know what they're talking about right now with the Navy SEALs? We want to make sure that the practices aren't abusive. Are you kidding me? They are abusive. They are completely abusive. 
That, that's, that's, but, but let me also say this. The Navy SEALs, no one puts a gun to your head and say, you're going to sign up for the Navy SEALs. As a matter of fact, you can ring a bell and get yourself out of there any time that you want to. For them to go, we're going to see if the practices are abusive. I can tell you this much. When the enemy captures you, they're not going to go, let's see and make sure that our practices aren't abusive. So you have to prepare for the enemies. Does that make sense? And so, so you as a Christian need to understand the highest level of training that you're willing to commit to in your life, that's what you're going to default to. For Israel, the majority of them, it was Egypt. So when there's problems in my marriage, what does the world say? What does the world do? Problems with my children, what does the world do? Oh, I just got to be their friend. Wrong answer. Your kids need a parent. They got all kinds of friends that are just as dumb as they are. And haven't been through anything. I'm not picking on you guys, but you haven't been through it yet. Aren't you glad for a dad that says, hey, son, it's not a good idea? Yeah, amen. And dad's like, amen, he is. Praise God, he is. Yeah, amen, amen. I mean, I just, I just, I didn't realize you guys were right here. That's kind of perfect, though. But you understand what I'm saying? You, 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 if you're willing, listen, uh, parents, you, you need to look at what the Bible says about parenting in relationships. What does the Bible say about it? Instead of going back to the world, when it comes to areas of your life where you're insecure and you struggle with that insecurity, what does the world say about it? Well, just tell yourself you're beautiful and you're wonderful and you're that. No, you know what you need to say? I can't do this. My mind's messed up because my mind is focused on me. I'm going to get my mind, my mind on Jesus Christ and redirect those emotions. Those emotions will not go away. I'm going to redirect them, however. You know you find out in the Bible? People are emotional beings because we are made in the image of God, and God is angry, and God is happy, and God laughs, and God is sad. You say, what is that? It's a reflection of who he made us to be. You are not going to escape. We're not zombies. We're not just robots. I can say to someone, get over it. Doesn't mean they can. But you have to learn to go, okay, well, well what am I most familiar with? Oh, I can know why I keep going back to that, because that's what I'm familiar with. You know what that was? That was hours, maybe 300,000 hours of my life thinking that way. So I'm familiar with that. Ninety are familiar with God's way. Lot. God rains down fire. Recent archaeological discoveries point to that event. I didn't need that discovery to believe the Bible was already there. But well, they found some archaeological discoveries that point to what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I realize it's an unpopular and politically incorrect kind of conversation. But you know what? Until they start running us up and throwing us in jail for hate speech, I'm going to preach it like it is because it's what the book says. And even then, let the chips fall where they may. It's still truth. And you need to know that for your life. There are some things that God hates. God hated what was going on there. And by the way, if you read between the lines in Genesis 13 and Genesis 19, you know what you find out? They were involving the children in those practices, which is why it says the cry of them came up before me. God is a, ju- for those that look at Sodom and what happened there, go, what a, I can't believe that God of anger would do that. What kind of Bible do you, have? I have a Bible with the God that looks out for children. What do you think? So you know what God did? God rained down fire and he says, don't look back. Do not turn back. Don't look back. You say, why? Because I want you to look forward. I don't want you looking back. Back is where your old life is. Forward is where I want to take you. Are you listening this morning? And so you know what happens? The Bible says in Luke 17, in a memoir about a man's wife, remember Lot's wife. 
Imagine being uh, remembered as a memorial in scripture. We know the story about the woman in Mark 14 that brings that alabaster box as we heard about. And Jesus says, let it be done as a memorial unto her wherever the gospel is preached. How amazing and awesome is that? And yet we also have in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. You know what that tells me? You're gonna be remembered for something. You know what Lot's wife's remembered for? One more look. That one more look can mess you up. One more. You say, what was that? You know what, Lot's wife? You, you got to, listen, p- let's paint the picture. Let's imagine you have zero relationship with God. You haven't thought about God. You haven't gone to church. You haven't opened a Bible since you were around Uncle Abraham, all right? The last place you really called home was Egypt, because that's where you're from. That's where Lot's wife is from, P.S. And then the only other place you've lived for years and years and years reminds you of home. Would you not want to look back one last time? I would. And yet God told her not to. In that one moment, she looked back, and that was it. That's the last thing she ever saw. Gone. Samson. Oh. <laughs> sometimes men are just, I'm, I'm just, when it, when it comes to females, men are idiots sometimes. <laughs> I'm not even saying it to be funny. But when, when hormones are kind of taking over, men are just idiots especially I'm not trying to pick on you, young men. That's why the Bible says, listen to me, flee youthful lusts. That's what the book says. Here you got Samson. You know what Samson's doing? <laughs> the Lord's like, uh, she's a bad girl. I think she's trying to kill you. Nah. Oh, but the way she rubs my head when I sit in her lap and oh, she's so pretty. And, you know, she says, Samson, you don't love me because if you really love me, you would tell me the secret of your strength. And Samson's like, baby, I'll tell you what. If you, uh, if you take me and you take green whisk, you take these ropes and you tie them up like ropes and you put them around me, there's no way I can break free from that. And she goes, oh, Samson, the Philistines, they're around you. Samson, they're here. And she, you know, he gets up and he goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. And he makes a big joke out of it. And then the next night, he's back where he started. And she's like, don't you want to tell me where your strength I'd be like, No. I don't want to tell you where my strength lies. This kind of feels like I'm in a trap. You know how a lot of Christians live their life? Flirting with disaster just like that. Going round and round. And I almost, it almost got me last time. It almost got me last time. It almost got me last time. It almost got... You know, keep playing with that until it gets you. I think about Peter. And you know the story. That saltwater fisherman throwing that net out. And some, some Jewish preacher comes by. And says, hey, you need to follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. And he forsakes his net. And then some things happen in Peter's life. Some things break down while he's following Jesus. And listen, I want to get this out of the way right now. I don't think Peter was a big old chicken. I don't think it was a... You know, Peter was scared and that's why he was... Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. I think Peter was angry with how God did things. And so when he got angry with God about that stuff, you know what he defaulted to? What he was familiar with. So 20-some chapters later, when the Lord calls from the coastline, he goes, hey... Have you caught any fish? Remember that? And what's Peter doing? I thought you forsook that in Matthew 4. Well, I picked it up again. Ever been there, Christian? Well, why'd you pick it up again? I'll tell you why I picked it up again. Because it's where you're familiar with. It's what you default to based on your habits. Israel was familiar with Egypt. It's what they knew. 
Can I say this as well? Sometimes, look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. It's because of fear. Fear and love are two of the most powerful motivators on the planet. Joke with my wife one time, I said, love and fear are powerful motivators. We're talking about that. And she knows probably where I'm going with this. Would rather I love or rather that I fear you? I want you to be afraid of how much you love me, baby. (laughs) Fear will make you do stupid things. Look at Numbers 13. Look, if you would, at verse number 27. When they get back, In verse 26, they brought them the fruit of the land at the end of the verse after spying out the promised land and the Lord sending them out to see what was there. And look at verse 27. They told them and said, We came on the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. That's the commercial, right? The commercial is, look at all we brought back, man. Look at this stuff. This is awesome. This is, a, this is exactly where I go. It's exactly what God said I would find if I were just faithful to go. Do you not find that in your life, that when you go emotionally and spiritually where God is leading, that you find what he's telling you you're going to find there? Isn't that what you find? And yet at the same time, there are also some giants to overcome in that land. Just because the fruit is there doesn't mean that the foes are not. You are going to have opportunity to bear fruit in the Christian life, but there are obstacles and enemies as well. It wasn't a matter of, okay, it's just about the fruit or it's just about the giants. And that's what you see in this passage. The reality is both were true. Yes, there are giants. Yes, there are enemies. Look at verse number uh, 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all the ites were there. And look at verse 30. Caleb, the sound guy, that's in the original. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able. You ever ever listen to stories from kids that are raised in the same family? You ever, ever do that? And one kid's like, It was awful. My parents hated us. Miss, do all this work and forced me to get a degree. I didn't want a degree. Made me go to church when I was young. I didn't want to do that either. And, and this other kid's like, man, it was a great childhood. I loved it. It was awesome. I remember Christmas every year and how special that was. And you're like, were you guys raised in the same home? Anybody know what I'm talking about? What, like, why is that? Because so much of that is based on your perspective. And listen, one, one group was going, we, we're going into this with the idea that regardless of what else we find, God is with us. The other group goes, we're going to check it out, and whenever there's a problem, I'm going to go, maybe I'll have a plan B. You know what? If I don't like what I see, and I'm afraid of what I see ahead, I might just back out. The Bible says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Let me just say this right now. You are going to be afraid of some things in life can also say there's some things you ought to be afraid of, okay? My kids know this about me. I don't like heights. You know why? Because no one ever fell from here to here and had the same response as someone that fell from a 1,000 feet. Are you with me? 
All right, so look, look, maybe my fear of heights is a little obsessive. Maybe it's a little overboard. When we go somewhere, I'm like, okay, kids, like, like, you know, we're going to climb it on a mountain or something like that, or a little nature trail, and there's a little bit of a cliff. I'm like, okay, hold daddy's hand real tight, real tight. And they're like, dad, 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 I've got, no, 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 listen to me. I'm not going to be the guy that's on the news like, she was right within my hands. I'm not going to let that happen. So you're going to hold on really tight. Yeah, there's some things you would be afraid of in life. That's all right. But can I say this? When it comes to your walk with God, and God is showing you where he wants you to go, you should not live in fear of what lies ahead. And listen, when that fear does come, it is going to be a natural response. Listen to me, not a supernatural response. So what you have to do is go, I'm going to acknowledge that fear, but I'm going to take that emotion and I'm going to channel it in God's direction because I know this much. When I go through grief, you lose someone, you lose a loved one, I can go up to someone and go, hey, get over it. You know, they're in heaven now. Don't, don't worry about it anymore. That doesn't take their pain away. The grief is not gone just because, hey, get over it. Let's move on. I'm not saying that today. I'm saying this. You're going you're gonna to have human emotion, and you will be afraid of things in your life. And sometimes you'll be afraid of God's direction in your life. Can I be honest with you? At 2 a.m. on my 41st birthday, I was a little afraid. I found my wife in the bathroom on the floor, <laughs> crying, yelling. Like, God honest truth, when I heard her screaming, I grabbed a device pr- protection, not knowing what was going on. And it wasn't my phone. I'll just give that away, right? And, and, and I, I, was, I was looking for her. Where is she? And I find her. She's in the bathroom. I get there, and she points to the pres- pregnancy test. You know what her words were? I can't do this. You know what I thought? Who did this? <laughs> what? How did this? Lord, did you do it again? All joking aside, I, I stood there and I held her, and I said, we're going to be okay. In my mind, I'm thinking, what is going on? You say, what did you do? Oh, we were so spiritual. We fell to our knees and prayed for hours. Nope. I'm going to tell myself here. We were so like, we watched Cheers for like three hours. Where everybody knows, but a bum bum. I couldn't think. I, honestly, I was like, I, I looked at her and I said, we just watched Cheers for three hours. I never watched Cheers my entire life. What's wrong with me? I'll tell you what's wrong with me. I was afraid. Fear is a human emotion, and you're, you're going to be afraid at times. Afraid of failing. Afraid of not meeting people's expectations. Afraid of them finding out the real you afraid of the feeling of the emotions that you're struggling with and how to deal with them the right way there's gonna be fear in your life but let me tell you this you, you if 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 you take that fear and you allow it to tell you in your mind it's time to turn back you're going to miss out on what god has for you you're not talking to a preacher listen the more you read that bible the more you realize people in the bible are emotional people because we have an emotional god like all of us are emotional and I understand, listen, maybe you might be a little bit more like Brother Steon. Like, you ever seen those pictures of Chuck Norris, the little things like this? Chuck Norris angry. Chuck Norris happy. Chuck Norris laughing. I want to do that with Steon's face on to get a little t-shirt. Steon angry. Steon happy. You know, just, just, you may not be that kind, but I guarantee you this. Even if you don't express it as colorfully as Brother Jose, who's being pasionante Latino. 
Maybe you don't, it's, Miss Ashley's like, yes, amen. Maybe you don't have that kind of emotional response things extrovertedly, but it's still in there. And fear is one of them. And, and if you're not careful as a Christian, when that fear comes knocking on your door, you'll go, I, I can't beat those giants. You know what the reality is? You're not meant to beat those giants. You can't beat those giants. I've been, I've been struggling with this for 20 years, preacher. I just can't do it. I had someone reach out to me, and they said, what's the difference between AA and being born again? I said, well, one is a program to help you deal with alcohol, and one is salvation that is eternal, that lasts forever, that changes the destiny of your soul. And, 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 I, and getting into a deeper conversation with this individual, what I realized is they were struggling with whether or not they were saved because of the problems that they were dealing with. They were afraid of losing their salvation because of the issue that they'd had, because of familiarity, because every time there was stress and every time there was rejection and every time there was this feeling and that feeling, they go back to the bottle. Just like, you may not go back to the bottle, but you go back to something. And when you, became that, you gain that familiarity with that something, it becomes a problem that you cannot escape from. And then you become afraid, will I ever be able to leave this? The answer is, on your own, absolutely not. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear. It is not the absence of fear. Mark Twain wrote that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a book from 1894. I love that. Now, listen, when I look at the man Joshua in the Bible, we go, Joshua, great, mighty man of valor. Man, he was up there, whoop me. Open them boys, you know. He went in there. And, okay, let's do this for Aurora version, right? Hey, man, he's like, he was threatening some people. Like, they came up to him. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, man, he's cool, man. Like, that's Joshua, right? All right, so th- the first one was, 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 was Southern Miss Cindy. First one was for you, all right? That was whooping them boys up, I'll tell you what. And the other one was for you guys on the front row, all right? All right, you, 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 orale. There you go. He said it, not me. I didn't say it. He did. The... <laughs> Joshua is the guy you look at and go, that guy can't be afraid of anything. I mean, like stone cold. That guy led us in every battle. We won every single battle under his leadership. But you know what I find? <laughs> in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord tells him, fear not. He tells him in chapter 8, fear not. In chapter 10, be not afraid. I don't know, guys. If I knew someone wasn't afraid, I would be like, hey, don't be afraid. Hey, don't be afraid. There's a story back, I believe it's in Exodus, maybe Leviticus. We'll find it in the mental files here. And Moses goes into the tabernacle and meets with the Lord. And Joshua, his servant, goes in with him. And it says that that Moses came out, but Joshua stayed in there. And the Bible doesn't record for us what was said or what happened. But I have this theory. As I was thinking on that yesterday, I was thinking, I wonder if Josh is just throwing everything out there and saying, Lord, I know what's about to happen. I cannot deal with a million people like he is. I know he's not going to be around forever. I can't do this. Can I just play number two for the rest of my life? And the Lord's like, well, you're number two right now, but I'm going to make you number one. Lord, I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can handle it. You know, they, they, look at, they, they have all these things in, you know, pregnant and, and maternity things now, you know, uh, they don't no longer call it geriatric. Pre- Thank you for not calling it geriatric pregnancy. I appreciate that. Now it's advanced age, ma- advanced maternal. And it's almost like, oh, oh, we have to do this. We have to check you 47 times in the next two weeks because you're old. It's like, well, you know, I, I just, it's just that, that sense of what's lying ahead. I don't know if I can handle all of that. Joshua's thinking to himself, Lord, I can't do that. 
Someone came to me this last week and just said, I think God wants me to serve. I don't know how that, what's, I don't, I don't know, but you know what? Don't be afraid of what it is. Just, just take the next step. And Joshua, I believe Joshua is pouring his heart out before the Lord, and the Lord is telling him the same message that he tells him many years later when Moses is no longer on the scene. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. You know what happens in Joshua chapter 10? Joshua gets to return the favor. He sees everybody kind of like, they're ready to go into battle, you know, and they're, you know, kind of painting the, the war paint on, you know, and doing the chest bumps and that kind of thing, kind of the, the pregame jitters, if you will. I don't know. Look, look, war is ugly and it's bad. But like war fighting with stuff where you shoot stuff from miles away and it blows stuff up from miles away, you don't see your enemy, kind of like that more than like, ah, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what they did back in his day. And Joshua goes to the people and goes, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you what I need to hear right now. Be not afraid. When you're uncertain of your abilities, when you're struggling with your emotions and handling them the right way, when you're going, I don't know if I can forgive that person, God. I'm afraid of the bitterness that's settling in my heart. When you're looking at the sin that you go, I can't beat it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. Here's the problem. It's not that that thing doesn't exist. It's that you're looking at the wrong thing. One guy goes, we got this. We are able. We are well able. Another group of guys goes, we be not able. There's no way we could ever do this. Look at chapter 14 with me if you would. See what happens for fear. One time the disciples are in a boat and for fear they cry out. There are people that do not receive Jesus Christ openly because they're afraid. They go for fear of the Jews. It says in John chapter 19. Some of you are afraid and you might be afraid for good reason. Maybe it's being disappointed by people. Maybe you failed. Maybe you got some real issues and problems and you're not sure how it's all going to turn out. And can I say this? If you never doubt yourself, I don't know how else to say this. You're kind of a fool. You ought to doubt yourself every once in a while. Because, like, we don't all have the answers. Peter walked on water. Paul preached before kings. John saw revelation. Joshua won battles. Jesus went to the cross and overcame death. And you know what I find in every one of those men, including my Savior? Think about this. He goes in the garden. He goes, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Listen to me. Fear by itself is not always sin. I think he's looking at the cup of God's wrath and seeing the separation between him and the Father going, she's worth it. He's worth it. But if there was a way out, but you know what I see in all those men? They conquered the very thing that they were afraid of. They didn't do it by ignoring the realities. They did it by bringing before the Lord, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I don't think I can do. This is what I am, uh, I, I, I'm uncertain of God. This is why I'm doubting. And when they brought that before the Lord, it wasn't like God. Someone said to me recently, said, I just feel like it hasn't, this problem in my life, it, 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 this feeling hasn't gone away. Can, can I tell you something right now? The way that some Christians live their Christian lives is like, okay, God, I prayed, and, and take it away. 
All right, Lord, take it away. You know what I think God wants us to understand? It's not about him taking something away as much as it is you operating in faith when you are afraid. That's how you gain traction in the Christian life. It's not by God just taking away every obstacle. You know what they do in Numbers 14? Look, look at verse number four. They act irrationally because of their fear. Let us make a captain. First off, let me just say this much. You know how many times God's wanted to kill all you guys and the only guy that stood between you and God and said, God, don't do it was Moses? You want to kill that guy? You want to make a different captain? Think about what you're saying. Let us make us a captain. Let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. You know what I find over and over and over? I find Moses and Aaron doing what we should do when there's trouble. Fall on your face. Verse 32 of the last chapter, they bring up an evil report. And there's giants and there's all kinds of trouble, but you say, what, is that true, preacher? Yeah, there were giants. There was trouble. You know what else was true? Verse 27, Numbers 13, 27. A land that flowed with milk and honey. You know what people want? They want the promised land, but they want God to drop it in their lap. God dropped salvation in your lap. He's not gonna drop the promised land. The promised land is not heaven, by the way. It's a picture of victorious living in the Christian life. It's you having something to show for the 30, 40, 50, 60 years that God gives you breath on this planet. And God's not always just gonna drop that in your lap. Sometimes God goes, I know you're afraid. I want you to know I'm with you. I'm not gonna tell you that it's all gonna go away. I even know that the feelings of fear are there and I'm not gonna judge you for that. I just want you to move forward in spite of your fear. Or else, what's the other option? Just go in circles. Look at verse number 10, chapter 14, verse 10. You know what they... <laughs> chapter 14, verse 10. All the congregation bade stone them with stones. The only, here's what happens. If you're not careful with your fear and you let it run you, the only voices of sanity and direction from God that are in your life, you're going to try to silence. And you need to be careful with that. Your fear is a real thing, but I can tell you this, your fear is also the reason why you're doing this. The Lord's just going, hey, I know you're afraid. You need to move anyways. Listen to me. Move past that relationship. Move past that insecure. I'm afraid, okay, but you still need to move forward. Move past that failure. You keep looking back to, well, I messed up and I messed up and I messed up and you don't know and you don't know. God knows. And as long as you're constantly looking in the rearview mirror and afraid of what has been before, you'll never get where God wants you to go. You know, I've learned a long time ago, fear is a choice, so is faith. Look at Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. I don't get sick a lot. I don't say that out of pride. I say that out of gratitude. Um, Typically, if something's floating around her house, my wife will probably get it before I do. Now, that might just be because she's around the germ factories more than I am. I don't know. Germ factories equals children, for those who don't know. All right? Um, but, but regardless, I don't get sick that often. So when I do get sick, it's like, 
<laughs> yeah, I can't move. It's like, it's like man flu. I think that's what they call that. I don't get sick often. I really don't. But I remember about four years ago, I got something. It wasn't, by the way, there are other things beside COVID. Thank God people are kind of waking up to that again. But it, whatever it was, man, it was probably just a flu. It had me knocked down. And she knows this is not normal for him. Normally, even when I'm sick, I'm running around doing stuff. I couldn't move. She goes, you're going to the doctor. <laughs> this typical man thing. Uh, uh, uh. No, it's okay. I'll make it myself. <laughs> right? She made me go, and I went. I'm glad she did. She said, honey, you need to go. You know what they did right away? Uh, we need to give you, you, you're acting like you're dehydrated. And they plugged me up with some IVs. And <laughs> I, I knew something was changing about an hour and a half. I fell asleep in this dark. They put me in a dark room, turned the lights off, hooked me up, left me there. I mean, to die. Just leave me there. <laughs> and about an hour and a half, I wake up and I go, I got to go to the bathroom. And, and I was like, hey! <laughs> they came back and they're like, oh, no, no, no. You need another bag. I'm like, I have to go. Not yet. I'm like, I really had to. They plugged me up again. You know what my problem was? You know why? I, I literally left about an hour, two and a half hours later. I left that place feeling like a new man. You know what I got? I got hydrated. Every morning I wake up, and you may think this is a silly thing. I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll chug about a quarter of a gallon of water. And a matter of fact, when I get up and I can't find my, my chugger, that's what I call it. It's a little chugger. I get upset. And nine times out of ten, I've learned it. She's got it. She's confiscated it. And it's because she left her 47 bottles in her car. And instead of going out and getting one of them, she's like, well, there's dad's. I'll just take it. The other day, she spent the night, Sarah, with her. And I go into the bedroom, and Sarah pops up. I'm like, I'm just here for the water. I'm just here for the water. Got the water bottle. And you say, what? I, I got it every morning. I've got to start with just chugging away. And, and, and listen, for years, I didn't do that. I don't know. Something snapped about three years ago. I think I realized I'm getting old. So water hydration is a good idea. And, and just, it's so healthy for you, all that good stuff. Look at Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Then came the children of Israel and the whole, even the whole congregation of the desert of Zin. It's also called the desert of sin or the wilderness of sin in another passage, which is very interesting. And the people abode in Kadesh and Miriam died there. So Miriam and uh, Moses and Aaron's sister Miriam died. Then look what happens in the next verse. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brother... Now, now are you not seeing a pattern with how, things res... how they're responding to things every time something bad happens? And, and so they're going, okay, well, we, didn't ha... we don't have food. We're going to die. Let's kill them. Let's go back. Okay, those guys are too big. We can't beat them. Let's kill the leadership and let's go back. It's kind of this vicious cycle that keeps happening. But, but here I see something really interesting. If your sister just died, would you like to get a text message that says, why aren't you doing anything about the water problem? We want to kill you. That's where Moses and Aaron are at. You know the congregation is at? Let me, turn it, let, me turn, let me spin that thing the other way around. Let's say you're walking in the wilderness and your kids look up at you and say, Mommy, Mommy, I'm so thirsty. It hurts. Mommy, why don't we have water? Mommy, you said we're following God, but I don't see God, and I don't hear God, and I can't feel God. God mommy, it's, it's, it hurts really bad. My mouth hurts. Look, Mommy, my lips, everything's really dry. I've got blisters because of how hot it is. 
wouldn't you get a little upset? See, sometimes you look at Israel and go, I don't get what their problem is. Their problem is your problem. And you know what happens? They get so frustrated with their situation that they turn again and they go to this exact same, the same thing they said before, the same thing they did before. They did the exact same thing. Why? Because they were, listen to me, they were frustrated with God. It wasn't Moses. Moses is just the innocent, uh, the, the, the guy that's the, 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 the one that's there, that's visibly there. See, when you get upset with God, here's what you do. You take it out on people around you because they're physically there and God's not. And so when you get frustrated with your finances, you get frustrated with something emotionally, you get frustrated with your marriage, you get frustrated with something, you, instead of going to God and saying, God, I'm frustrated with this, Lord, would you help me? Instead of that, you take your anger and you shoot it out this way instead of going up this way. Do you know why they're in the boat that they're in? You know why they keep going? You say, yeah, familiarity. Yeah, because of fear. In this case, it's frustration, and it's frustration not just with man, but with God. Ever been frustrated with the Lord? I have. I have. I'll admit it. You know, it's really funny. In one place, <laughs> the Lord goes to Moses. Remember when they built that calf? And Moses is on top of the mountain with God. And the Lord goes down and he goes, Hey, Moses, thy people have corrupted themselves. <laughs> and in the same chapter, the, Moses talks back to God. He goes, Lord, uh, Cast not away thy people. It's like Moses is going, oh, they ain't mine. They're yours. <laughs> it's like hot potato. The Lord's like, here, they're yours, Moses. Look at how bad they are. And Moses is like, uh-uh, Lord, they're yours. <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> you know why? Moses got frustrated. The people got frustrated. You say, why? Because God was doing some things. And listen, the Lord was, de- listen very carefully to this. He was dealing with them where they were at. God goes, it would have taken 11 days to go from here to here, but because of where you're at, it's taking a lot longer. And there are some lessons that you, don't, you didn't learn last time, so we're going to go through them again. And because you didn't pass the test last time, we're going to try it again. Listen, in any school, you don't go to the next, well, at least it used to be that way, until you can pass a certain test and go, I'm proficient. I get what's going on in the course I just took. And listen, don't come to me and say, I think God's going to have me go to be a missionary. If, if, if you're dealing with things in your life and you're not going, God, I will respond. Instead of being frustrated at people around me, I'm going to be frustrated with everything around me. I'm going to say, God, I'm frustrated with you. Here's why, and I'm sorry. You see what happens in Numbers 20, and look at verse 6. You see what happens with Moses and Aaron. Where do they find themselves? Surprise. Same place they keep finding themselves. On their face. You know, the people just kept going round and round and round. So much so, listen to me, an entire generation dies and doesn't make it into the promised land. Let me give you one more. You know who else doesn't make it into the promised land? Moses. I cannot imagine dealing with those people's stuff for all those years. <laughs> and then the Lord's like, you're not going in either. <sighs> Are you stinking kidding me? Do you know what I did for you with these people? You know what Moses is, you know why God doesn't let him in? Because he took that rod that the Lord told him to go with in front of all the people and speak to the rock. Don't smack it, speak to it. And Moses like, man, screw that. I don't care what God said. 
These stupid people, you know what Moses did? He allowed their frustration to become. He doesn't get in either. You want to get in? You want to go where God wants you to go? You better learn to deal with your frustration the right way. You better learn to say, God, I'm taking this out on everything that moves. There have been times with a dog. You know, <laughs> my stupid dog. It's a dog. But when I'm frustrated with how things are going, if it's moving and living and it's moving in front of me, I'm mad at you. I love it when someone says, I don't get mad often, but man, when I do. It'd be like saying, we don't have war often, but when we do, it's nuclear holocaust. (laughs) Moses doesn't go into the promise. He sees it, but he doesn't go in. He sees it from on top of Mount Pisgah. I guarantee you, he climbs that mountain, just him and God, and that those wrinkles that have formed over time from being out in that sun for all those years prior as a shepherd and now dealing with the children of Israel as a shepherd leading those sheep out there, those wrinkles that are settled in. And man, I, I guarantee you that salty water starts forming in his eye and it starts running down his face. And I guarantee you, he thinks back over his life and he goes, why did I do that? I could have gone in with them. And so he got close enough. If you're thinking that way, you're missing out. There's nothing like going into the place where God says he wanted you to go. And I've missed out on it enough, but let me tell you something. Over the last few years, you know what I've been able to see? I've been able to see some things that God has done in this church. And I've been able to see God bring some things to pass that I thought were never possible. And I am so glad he didn't just take me on top of a mountain and show me from afar what would happen. I'm glad I get to live in it. Do you want to live in yours? you don't want to keep going in circles, can I encourage you today to find a new familiarity? It's not so much you're just no longer afraid. Don't be afraid anymore. Don't be afraid anymore. No, I'm afraid, but I'm going to move forward with faith. And when you're frustrated, learn to take a page out of their book and go, you know what? I just need to fall on my face before God. Because when I'm frustrated with God and I take it out on her or I take it out on him, I take it up. Well, he maybe he. I don't know. Oh, it's wrong. Look at Deuteronomy chapter two. We'll close. Deuteronomy chapter two. You know, one of the most frustrating things is looking at people with all their potential and seeing that potential unrealized. God wants to use you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 2. You know, he wants to use you guys in school. He wants to use you at work to talk about the Lord and get people in the church. He wants to use you. That family member that you've been at odds with and you find a way to forgive them and show them the love and grace of Jesus Christ and bridge a gap there and maybe have a chance to minister to them, God wants to use you. 
But if you find yourself doing this, you are going to miss out on so much that God has going on outside of the circle. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse number 3. You need to do this morning, recognize what you've been doing. You have compassed this mountain long enough. Are you tired yet? Recognize it. And secondly, it's a real simple thought. Turn you northward. You may not get this, but you know what the Bible says about the north? It's where God sits. You know what you need to do? It's not that these things aren't still going on in your life. It's not that they're not real. It's that you need to take your eyes off of them for a little bit of time and turn you northward. And say, Lord, I'm tired of going in circles. Lord, I'm tired of letting my frustration rule me. Lord, I'm tired of letting the fear control me. Lord, I'm tired of going back to that which is familiar, that which is not the right thing. Lord, I want to build a new familiarity with you. God, I just want to get my eyes pointed in a different direction because where my eyes go, eventually my feet will follow. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. and Lord, would you help us? We don't want to just live a life in circles. We want to get where you want us to go. We want to be what you want us to be. God, we're thankful for this last week, but we know we can't live on a mountain. We know, Lord, it's, it's on us to move forward, and it's on us not just to keep trying to circle around and around and Lord, to, to address the real issues and address the emotions and address the fear and address the frustration. And Lord, when we take it out on other people, it's wrong. Lord, I pray for your people. You give them the grace that they need to address these things. Lord, to, to take inventory. And if they're just circling the mountain, Lord, would you help them to, to turn northward, to move in a new direction. Lord, I don't see anything of great import accomplished in the Bible divorced from the idea of faith. Lord, faith, as best as I can see it, is believing what you said and doing it even when we're afraid. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask a real simple question. If you're here, and you know you're a born-again Christian, you can put your head on your pillow at night. You can know that your sins are forgiven and that God is your Father and that heaven is your home. You're going to a place where there is no fear and there is no frustration. The only thing you're going to be familiar with is that which is righteous and pure and holy and lovely and joy and joyful. and It's all good stuff. You're heaven-bound. But if you're here and you've never been born again, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, maybe you're afraid of what happens when I die. I know this, the testimony of Jackie Valdez was, I was a little upset with God for some things that happened in my life. Maybe you're frustrated with God. I can tell you this, she's a new person countless lives in here just that way because they receive Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll just ask a simple question. If you're not sure 
that you've been born again, you're not sure that you're saved, would you be willing to slip up your hand, maybe look in this direction and go, Preacher, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saved. If that's you, I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out or drag you down here, but I'd like to pray for you. With all the heads being bowed and all the eyes being closed, would you be honest enough? Maybe you would say, you know, preacher, I kind of relate to that idea of going in circles. I, I'm trying to find God, and I don't know where to look, and I'm just trying to find forgiveness. I'm trying to find hope, like Nancy mentioned in her testimony. Trying to, trying to find it. can't find it. I'm looking, and I'm searching, and I'm looking, and I'm searching. If that's you, would you be willing to raise your hand and say, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. you're saved today, can I encourage you? The Lord is speaking to you because He's real and He cares about the intimate details of your life. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And while Eric Morales might have more hairs on his head than I do, God knows the quantity of the numbers of hair on our head. He, he, he cares about all those things. I like, I like knowing that there's a personal God who cares about these details. He wants to use you this week, but there's some things that you've you got to address. I keep finding myself here over and over and over and over and over. You've got to ask yourself, why is that? If you're frustrated with God, I'm not advocating you shake your fist at God and cuss him and uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's a foolish thing. But you know what I do advocate? Be honest with God. Lord, here's why I'm frustrated. Fall on your face. Something restoring just about that. <laughs> but then from there, go, okay, the Lord's shown me I need a new direction. I'm afraid. I know what I'm more familiar with is back that way. But I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to move forward in faith in spite of my fear, in spite of my frustration, in spite of my past familiarities. Lord, I want to get where you want me to go. Thank you for being here today. I hope the Lord spoke to you. Um, don't forget the lesson. God puts these things in the Old Testament. The Bible says in Romans 14, for our learning, for our learning. And uh, thank you, Lord, for those lessons. <laughs> uh, let, let's get off the Ferris wheel. Let's actually do something for God this week. Amen? Amen. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Hope you can make it back Wednesday night. Uh, doing a series right now as we're studying the subject of music and what the Bible has to say about music. Encourage you to come back, 7 o'clock. The kids uh, will be doing uh, Discovery Bible Club, Aliens, Discovery Disciples Bible Club, Aliens, right, on uh, Wednesday night. So that ought to be real fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the kids dress up that way. Um, but uh, love you and glad you made today. And let me just say this much. If you need some help, need some prayer, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. That's what we're here for. All right, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to pick on Brother James. If you would close us out in a word of prayer, brother. If you.